Hey, what's up, everyone? Thanks for listening. Welcome to the podcast. Um, Today, we're going to talk about eschatology. If you've heard that word before, you know that it's the study of end times. Um, If you haven't heard that before, it's the study of end times. Um, we, on this podcast, we endeavor to be very practical in our, uh, in our podcast and in our subject, but this has been um, kind of understanding this timeline of events that we're going to cover today has been a great help to my faith and to really the urgency that I place in every single day. Um, so uh, some studying that I was able to do over the past few months and really get things laid out, which create a clear picture. Because if you start asking yourself uh, questions like, well, when the rapture happens, what happens next? And what's the difference between the rapture and the second coming of Christ? And wait, there's a new heaven and a new earth, so we're actually not going to be in heaven for the entire time? And so you start asking these questions, and it's good to get a clear, um, a clear outline and a clear, understanding, um, a clear understanding from the Bible the events that are going to take place. You know, the Bible is over 25% prophecy, and so that's history, um, history told from beforehand. You know, the Bible says that he, uh, he who in perfect and not is he who that it, he that is perfect in knowledge is with me. God is perfect. He knows anything. He's outside of time, so he knows the end from the beginning. And so, part of the the proof that the Bible is real and it's infallible and it's the word of God over other books like the Quran or whatever um, uh, other world religions is that. There's prophecy that God will tell you before it happens what happens. You know, the, um, the, the, the reign of uh, the coming of Christ was actually predicted on the timeline in the book of Daniel. It actually showed when that was going to happen. It showed that the temple would be destroyed in Jerusalem after Jesus came. You know, a crazy, uh, interesting thing is that Jesus uh, was, um, was uh, came during the time that he came, and 70 years later, the temple was destroyed. One of the prophecies for the Messiah is that he would stand at the temple and say, sing a certain song or say a certain thing. So the temple had to be standing. The temple's actually never been rebuilt since that day, since 70 AD. So the Jews are looking for a Messiah and yet they don't have the temple up so the prophecy can be fulfilled. And so we kind of have to look back. So anyway, um, Bible prophecy is kind of, uh, it's an amazing thing to, to begin to study. But so we're going to talk today about the timeline of the end of the age. And I want to tell you we're getting close. So um, uh, the first thing that's, the next thing that's on heaven's timeline is the rapture. Uh, there's going to be a time and it's um, explained in First Thessalonians. I'm going to read a couple of the scriptures here. First Thessalonians 4 verse 13 Um, He says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. That doesn't mean sleeping or taking a nap. That means those who are dead as far as they've laid down um, their life here on earth. That you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep or again dead. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. There are two very distinct um, 
returns of Christ. The first one is called the rapture. The second one is called the second coming of Christ. What we're waiting for now, any moment now, is the rapture of the church. It's where Christ is going to, there's going to be a sound of a trumpet, there's going to be a shout, and Jesus doesn't come back to earth at that point. We're caught up to meet him in the air. I grew up reading those books, Left Behind, and uh, people who weren't, um, you know, the story, if you ever read them, uh, if you're my age, you probably got through some of them. I think there were like 13 or 14 books in the series, but pretty riveting as a youngster but about people who didn't have a relationship with the Lord and were left behind and were here. Imagine the catastrophe. Imagine if even 10% of the world's population disappeared overnight. What do we have? 8 billion people on the planet. What if 800 million, let's call it a billion to round up. I believe it would be more at this point, but a billion people disappeared. What would happen to the economy, the jobs that would need to be filled, the the just the debt crisis on that, right? How much debt do those those billion people have accumulated. Financial markets would crash because of it anyway. Um, so that's the next thing that we're waiting on. And it's, a, and it's really the hope of Christianity. It's why Jesus says, he said in the parable, he said, the, the, you know that I come like a thief in the night, like that we as Christians stand ready waiting for the return of Christ. So for the sake of time, we'll move forward. So the rapture of the church, for, the one thing I want to say about the rapture is it's a signless event. There's no thing that's coming right before it. There's no way we'll be able to see, you know, the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. There's no things that'll happen. What we can look at is what happens after the rapture, which is the tribulation, seven years of tribulation on earth, and then there'll be the second coming. So if we look at what's happening then, which it goes, the rapture, uh, there's a peace treaty that's signed with between Israel and the Middle East, which, um, is actually helped facilitate it by the Antichrist. So when all these politicians are like, we're going to go over there and see if we can work out a peace treaty. Like, well, first of all, it's not going to happen because the rapture hasn't happened yet. And then secondly, um, by doing that, if you're the one who facilitates that, you are the Antichrist. So um, be careful on what you, <laughs> what you wish for. But anyway, so we have the rapture of the church. The rapture happens, and then we have seven years of tribulation. This is where I firmly believe that the Christ, well, where Christians will be pulled out. There's a lot of scripture to back that up. We're not going to get into that today. We'll be raptured. We'll be in heaven with the Lord. Um, seven years of tribulation where up to one half of the world's population will be killed off because of the tribulation that happens. This is where the book of Revelation comes in, and there's the seven seals and the seven bowls and the judgments and all this craziness that happens during the seven years. And it says, and if it wasn't shortened, there would actually be a, um, there would actually be the, the, no one would survive, but up to one half of the population, imagine that a million, a bit, let's just say a billion people are raptured. If it was today, we got about 8 billion people on the planet, 7 billion left, about half of them, three and a half billion would be wiped out within seven years. Crazy to think. And then, and then at that point is the second coming of Christ. So the second coming of Christ happens. What's after that? Armageddon. Armageddon. The, you guys may have seen the movie, but it's the battle of the ages. You know, you can do some research and see if you, there's a guy who I like listening to, Chuck Missler, and you can go on YouTube and listen to some of the stuff about the battle of Armageddon. And it's uh, in the valley of Megiddo. And the Bible actually says that there'll be so much blood that'll come up to the horse's bridle. And it's actually popular and it's actually possible. You think it's figurative, but in the, that valley, like it would take so many soldiers being decimated, but their blood to actually rise up to that level. So um, Bible speaking literally there. And then after that is 
So I'm going to breeze through this and then take a step back. But after that is the um, Satan is bound for a thousand years. Then there's the second judgment, which is the sheep and the goats, um, which is in Matthew 25. There's the marriage supper of the lamb. I'm looking forward to that meal. Probably be the best meal we've ever had to date, the marriage supper of the lamb. Um, and then the millennial reign, which is a, a thousand years that we reign with Christ. So we're going to talk about this a little bit. But First Thessalonians 4, First Thessalonians 5, 2, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Second Corinthians 5, 10 um, says, Now this is what we call the Bema judgment, which a lot of people get confused. There's three judgments that happen. This should be a relief to you as a Christian. And if you're not a Christian, you should get nervous. The, the Bible actually talks about the rapture being a, a, to comfort one another with these words. And so you have this where 2 Corinthians 5.10 so says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. What's going to happen for us as Christians, those who are raptured, you understand that we, we don't actually go to a judgment like our works are judged and, we dis, and, and it's decided if we go to heaven or hell. If you're in the Bema judgment, which is called the mercy seat, which is after the rapture, it's a judgment of your works. So here, let's, let's pretend this happens tomorrow. Tomorrow morning we wake up, you have a good breakfast, you step outside, the rapture happens, the trumpet sounds, splits the sky, sound of a shout, we're all caught up, Jesus is there in the air. We look over the guy that you just told, shared the gospel with 10 minutes before, who's still got the cigarette in his mouth, who said yes to Jesus is there, and he's like freaking out, and there we are in the clouds, right? And then we don't go back to earth, Jesus doesn't go to earth, the earth is in pit, is going crazy. They're talking about alien abductions. Who, who knows how the media is going to try and spin it, right? But then all of a sudden we're in heaven and we go through what's called the Bema seat judgment. And this is a judgment not where our whole life is played on a screen like they used to teach you in kids church, where every bad thought that you had was played for all, you know, and people bowed their head in shame that you would think about that, right? So this, your works, your, your life doesn't pass through judgment uh, as in they decide, Jesus says, gives you the thumb up or the thumbs down, like in Gladiator, like kill him or, you know, it's, it's your works that get judged. Your works go through the fire and what comes out is either wood, hail, or stubble, meaning you have no treasure in heaven or gold, precious stones and gems. And so you, this is where as a Christian, you've made it into heaven. If you make the rapture, you've made it into heaven. You're good to go, right? But now God judges your works and things that are only the things that are done for eternity are the things that are, will count. There'll be people who will have been very rich on earth. They'll get raptured, praise the Lord, they're there, but they'll have nothing to show for their life. The good news is, as a Christian, you are not passing through judgment. You are not passing through judgment and then it's either yes or no. It's not, it's well done, good and faithful servant, but then from there, it's did your works mean anything? And that's why I believe he's going to have to wipe away tears from people's eyes is because they're going to, their whole life would have meant nothing for eternity. They were so wrapped up in earthly things. We could spend two or three podcasts talking about that, doing living for eternity. Man, I've decided I want treasure in heaven. I don't know what that treasure is going to be used for because the streets are made of gold. Maybe it's stuff we can give back to Jesus. Who knows what it is, right? But I want treasure on that side. And so the, that's the first judgment. It's the Bema seat. It's the mercy seat judgment. We're not actually dis seeing if we're going to heaven. Our works are judged. That should be a relief to you. Seven years of tribulation, the first three and a half years, at the middle point, it's the abomination of desolation. There's all studies you can do on this in the book of Revelation and Daniel. 
the second um, three-and-a-half-year period. Uh, that's called Daniel's 70th week, if you're reading through Daniel. Um, and then after that, Satan's bound for a thousand years, uh, marriage supper of the Lamb. What happens in the millennial reign? Well, we're back to earth. Armageddon's happened. Rebellion's been squashed. Jesus sets up a literal kingdom on earth. You know how there's the talk of the one world government now. We have this talk of one world government. That's actually going to happen. It's going to be under Christ. I mean, they'll get there during the tribulation. We may start heading that way before. We'll get close before. But that's actually going to happen. Christ is going to have a literal kingdom on earth. And we who've been raptured will come back and will set up and will be made rulers. We will rule with him, the Bible says. So we'll be given jobs. This isn't like, hey, we make it to heaven and we're there for all eternity. We come back to the earth for a thousand years where Satan is put under. He's, he's bound and he's thrown. Uh, he's bound for a thousand years. And so Christ gets to actually set up a literal rulership over the earth, a perfect rulership, perfect justice, perfect everything. Imagine the perfect society. Imagine if Jesus was king of the earth, you know, he runs everything, right? At the end of a thousand years, crazy to think at the end of a thousand years, there's still going to be people who rebel. Satan is let out. And then we have the final rebellion. We have a second version of Gog and Magog, which is a, a war they talk about in Ezekiel 37. And then after that, Satan's thrown into, there's the great white throne judgment, which is for non-believers. And they're the ones who then they get thrown into the, the lake of fire. And then we have the new heaven and the new earth, new heaven and a new earth. That's encouraging to me, man. We're going to get to, first of all, rule and reign. I wonder where I'm going to be reigning at with Jesus. I wonder what he's going to put me in charge of. I wonder if I'll be in a city somewhere in another country. You know, if I'll be in a city somewhere here in Florida, I wonder where I'm going to reign. Bible says if I'm faithful, if I'm faithful with little, he'll make me ruler over much. So if I'm faithful with what he gives me on this earth, part of my reward is that I'll get rulership, right? That I'll actually get to be a sheriff of a town somewhere with some six guns on my hips, whatever. I know that's probably not going to be the situation, but I'll get to be a ruler on this earth, on this planet. Who knows where you're going to be ruling, but God's going to give you somewhere to rule and to reign if you're faithful on this earth. And then after the thousand year reign, we have, think about this, we have glorified bodies. So we don't die, we rule the whole time. And then there's a rebellion. They rise up again and Satan's finally defeated. And there's a new heaven and the new earth. Why is there a new heaven? Well, Satan was in heaven at one point. Lucifer was in heaven. And so there's a new heaven that's created. And so there's no memory of that. New heaven, new earth. And here we have this picture laid out for us of what God wants to do. The reason I cover this is because for us as believers, this should be encouragement to realize we're not living for this earth. We're passing through. I'm living for a different time. This isn't my prime time. This is my warm-up. But if, as I'm faithful with this, there's going to be, I mean, a thousand years. You look at that in comparison. Would, wouldn't you do anything now on this earth for your 80, 90, 100 years that you have to be on the winning team, for not only for the thousand-year reign, but for millennium, to not have to go through the seven years of tribulation? You be, read, the, read the book of Revelation and come back to me and tell me you're okay missing the rapture. Well, if I miss the rapture, can I still make heaven? You don't want me to have to answer that question. The answer is yes, but you don't want to go through the rapture. Trust me, you can, you can, you can uh, put away the pleasures of sin for a short time here on this earth and serve God and reap the joys of it too here on this earth, but, but make the rapture. Make sure you make the rapture. That's why we talk about living on fire. That's my message. Stay on fire for God. Because you don't want to be like, oh, you know, I'm just going to do my own thing this summer. And you're back smoking weed, hanging out with friends, sleeping around. And you're like, I still love the Lord. But, you know, I'm just just trying to, you know, 
The Lord understands. He knows my heart. No, no. He knows that you know that if the rapture happened tomorrow, you would not be there. You would not be in heaven. You need to serve God with your whole heart. That's what we got for today. Thank you for listening. If you're a Christian, these should be words of comfort. If you're on fire for God, these should be things that you get excited about. If they make you nervous, you need to probably close your eyes and bow your head and tell Jesus you're sorry and repent and get it right. Repentance is a gift from God that you only get before on this side of eternity to get your heart right. I love you, and that's why I tell you, tell it straight. You guys are awesome. Thank you for listening. Please share this on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you. Bye.